0: Well, I want to continue this morning with our series on Walk This Way. Walk This Way. So, if you would turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. And while you're doing that, I want to tell you about a guy that was in the operating room. He was about to have surgery, and all of a sudden, he heard the nurse say, it's going to be okay. Don't be nervous. This appendectomy is a very simple procedure. Everything is going to go well. And he jumps up. And he goes running out of the surgery. And about that time, the hospital administrator is walking down the hall and sees this guy just barreling out of the surgical room. His gowns are flapping, and and he's making a beeline to get out. And the hospital administrator stops him and goes, Wait, wait, wait. No, stop. What's, what's the matter? And he's... <laughs> I was just in, in there for surgery, and the nurse said that the appendectomy was a simple procedure. Don't worry about it. And the guy said, well, that's true. She said, don't be nervous. Don't be frightened. The guy said, well, that's true. What's the matter? Well, she wasn't talking to me. She was talking to the doctor. So, anyway, there are a lot of... Of things that cause fear and anxiety and stress. And God's word's very clear that He has not given us the spirit of fear, amen, amen. but of power and of a love and of a sound mind. He's not given us the spirit of fear. But I got to tell you something there are a lot of frightening things going on. We need to be aware, folks, that we literally are on the brink of World War III. We're there. If you're trusting anyone in politics, you're in for a rude awakening. We are on the brink of a financial meltdown. We are there, folks. Teetering on the brink. The world is sitting on a powder keg. We know that, right? People argue today which pronoun to use. Now, if that were not so silly and ridiculous, you might be a little bit concerned, but I'm here to tell you, you need to be concerned about that anyway. Because there are those that are pushing that agenda, that agenda where you question your gender the agenda to question your gender it is full throttle ahead and people are confused well we know that god's not the author of confusion right 1st corinthians 14:33 tells us for god's not the author of confusion so who's the author of all this foolishness this nonsense that's going on out there we're living in serious serious times amen god's words very clear in the last days perilous times shall come well i think we are there college zombies thousands they have to be brain dead in order for thousands in these ivy league colleges that are going to eventually become attorneys lawyers doctors school teachers that's where the big problem is folks but they are literally by the thousands protesting supporting hamas terrorists they people who are butchers, who are murderers, who hide behind their own people. We have Americans on college campuses supporting those who are favoring the extinction of an entire group of people, Jews. You talk about confusion. People are confused. Our families, families are in crises. With all all that in mind, I want us to talk this morning of putting on the whole armor of God. The only good thing about all the stuff that you see going on in the news and reading about in the newspaper and hearing about on social media, all the horrible events and things that are going on, if there's anything that can be taken from that, is it just tells me I'm not home yet. That's what it tells me. I'm not home yet. Of course, when I walk up these stairs or... I walk up the stairs to the office or I try to get out of the car. I'm reminded I'm not home yet. All the aches and pains. But soon. But soon. Very soon. And until then, God's word is very clear that we are to put on the whole armor of God. And there is a need to strap that on in its entirety, not bits and pieces of it, not some of it, but the entire whole armor of God. Last week, we talked about walking, walk this way, as we talked about walking circumspectly not as fools but as wise and then right after that it started talking about the family unit which folks it is in crisis today and God's word is very clear husbands you are to love your wives as Christ loves the church no exception well you don't know my wife you don't know how unloving she is doesn't matter you married her And I know what God's plan and purpose is for the home and for the relationship between a husband and a wife. Husbands, you are to love your wife as Christ loves the church. Wives, you are to honor, you are to be submissive to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Oh, you don't know the guy I married. You married him. Here's what I do know. I know God can work miracles. God works miracles. And he can put homes and families together. He can do such a wonder in a home. Read a statistic this week. Dads, I'm talking to you right now. Well, you too, moms. You can listen in. This, This statistic was in 2016, so not that many years ago, that when the child comes to know the Lord first, the chances of the entire family getting saved is 3.5%. When the child comes to know the Lord first, 3.5% the percentage of when the mom comes to know the Lord first and then the dad and the children come to know the Lord, it is 17%. That's better. That's better. You know what the percentage is when the dad comes to know the Lord and insists that his family go to church with him, that pray with him, that read the Bible with him? Do you know what the statistic is? Ninety-three percent. Dads, don't tell me that you don't have a ministry within your own family, within your own home. And the family is most definitely under attack, and we need to be guarding our homes. The Lester concert was so wonderful last night. If you missed it, we'll have them back. I told Brian, once a year, we have to have our Lester fix. And last night, they, they did such an awesome job. But the song that meant the most to me was the one when they stood up here with all their family. And they talked about their commitment to raising their family in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And that they are going to stand on God's promises. They're going to raise their children the way God would have them raise their children That moved well they all moved me, but boy, that song. I wanted to to stand up and and cheer and and clap and and if I still didn't have a little bit of Baptist left in me, I might have. (laughs) But just just a little bit, guys. Just just a wee bit. It was it was moving. It was so moving. We need to be guarding our homes. Ephesians chapter six, verse one: Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. The kids just got taken out. I uh, might have should have shared this before. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. That commandment is back over in Exodus twenty, when the ten commandments are given. I think around verse twenty or something. Twenty. Exodus 20, 20, 21, 22. One of the Ten Commandments. Honor thy father and thy mother in order that thy days might be long on or in the land. Wow, what a promise. And Paul's bringing that out here. Verse 3, that it might be well with thee that thou mayest live long on the earth. What a promise. So make sure you go home and you have your children read this verse to them, or to you. Make sure they understand. Verse 4, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I've talked to fathers before whose attitude is, I just don't want to tell my child no. I'm afraid they might hate me. Well, i got news for you, if you don't tell them no, if you don't set boundaries, if you don't hedge them in, they're going to grow up to hate you. Uh, true. Faye and I worked long enough with troubled and abused girls out at Circle J Ranch to know that the primary, the pri- the primary problem that these young teenage girls had was no parental guidance to tell them about the Lord Jesus or to direct them in their lives and tell them occasionally, no. Well, it might make them mad at me. Telling them no is not going to make them mad at you. It might provoke them to wrath. It will provoke them to wrath if you don't tell them no. One of the primary things that the girls out there at the Circle J Ranch would share with us is they felt safe, they felt co- confined, yeah, because they were way out in the country and there were not a whole lot of places they could go, but they felt safe. And that feeling of safety was so much more important to them than being able to have their way and their will. If you don't believe me, Talk to Janet Ayers. Janet can share some things with you. One of these days, I want her to share a testimony. It is just mind-blowing what God has done in that woman's life. But anyway, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. loving Christ, loving your wives, loving your family, making sure they understand that you focus on your relationship with the Lord Jesus. The next part of that in verse 5 talks about employers, employees. Employee, make sure that as you're doing your work, you're doing it unto the Lord, not just for a paycheck, Not to be a man pleaser, but it's a testimony to God and of His mercy and grace. That's what what that part's all about. And employers, if you're employing somebody, make sure you understand that you're going to answer to God. You have a master. You have a responsibility. and You need to keep that in mind the entire time. And that brings us down to verse 10. All the rest, that's just introduction. Verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm here to tell you, within yourselves, you have no might, no power, no strength. If the devil can talk a third of the angels out of heaven and to rebel against God, you don't stand a chance. Trying to stand in your own might and think you can get away without being hampered, without being directed by him, you're wrong. The only way to stand in the power and the strength of the Lord and His might is to put on the whole armor of God. You need to understand, it's not your armor. It's not the church's armor. It is the armor of God. It is not a belt of creeds. Do you hear me? It's the belt of truth. It's not the breastplate of good works. It's the breastplate of His righteousness. It's not the helmet of baptism. It's the helmet of salvation. It's not the shield of obedience. It's the shield of faith. It's not have your feet shod with ritualism, but with the gospel of peace. See, it's God's armor, and it only fits, it only works when it's put on, strapped on properly, and it's his, not our church entity, our rituals, the things that churches try to come up with that lead people astray. But put on the whole armor of God. Why? Why do we want to put on the whole armor of God? So that you might be able to stand against the wiles or the cunning devices, the the wiles of the devil, his method, his schemes, that you might be able to stand against his cunning devices. You need to understand something, folks. The devil hates you. Now, fortunately, he's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. He's not all-present. He's not all-knowing. What he knows, you've pretty much told him. Where you're weak, where you stumble, where you have trouble, what temptations just seem to bring you down. His demonic horde him... The way he knows that is because you've broadcasted. You've broadcast that. He's not all knowing. You've told him. So maybe it's time you just started telling him, I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I am in him. And instead of trying to cause me to doubt my salvation, you take it up with the one who saved me. You take it up with the one in whose righteousness I stand sealed into the day of redemption. Wow, what a plan of salvation. But you know why he hates you so much? Romans 16:20 tells us why Satan hates you so much and you need to put on the whole armor of God. Romans 16:20 tells us that and the God of peace shall bruise satan under your and who's Paul talking to here well he's writing to the church in Rome but the believers there members of the body of Christ you and the god of peace shall bruise satan under your feet shortly in the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you amen See, God is going to bruise Satan under your feet, the church, the body of Christ. And I think that takes place when the rapture of the church takes place and we are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. We take our, up our position in the heavenlies, seated with Christ in the heavenlies, and Satan, there, his place is found no more there, and that warfare takes place, and Michael and his angels kick him out. That he is, he hates you because you are going to be where he wants to be. And the word bruise has to do with authority, with judgment, with something he's not going to like. Under your feet shortly, you scare him. You scare him. Uh, but that's not all. Is it First Corinthians 6? Which verse did I give you, Tim? 1 Corinthians 6, 3, I think. 1 Corinthians 6, 3. You know what else you're going to do? You wonder, what am I going to be doing when I'm in heaven? What am I going to be doing? God's Word, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 3, And know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life. One of the things that you're going to be doing, church, body of Christ, judging angels, fallen angels. Is there any wonder that Satan hates you and is afraid of you and is doing everything he can do to make you look foolish before our Heavenly Father and when he does that Heavenly Father sees you God the Father sees you in his son in whom he's well pleased Wow what a position verse 12 for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You don't wrestle, wrestle against men, human beings. We need to understand that our battle is a spiritual battle, warfare. And we wrestle against not flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's where the battle is raging. That's where the war is being fought. You've been warned. So what do we need to do, believers? We need to make sure that we have on that whole armor of God. It should terrify you. It should scare the willy out of you. To know that you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the rulers of darkness? It should scare you to death not to have on the whole armor of God because you need it. And don't think you can fight the battle without it. What is that whole armor of God? Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day And having done all to stand, stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. The first thing that it mentions is the belt because everything else is hooked to that belt. Everything else has to fit on that belt. And that belt has to be based on Scripture. Scripture's true. John 17, 17 says, Thy word is truth. You're looking for truth? Don't look outside God's word. This is where truth is. Christ Jesus himself said in Matthew, uh, in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me, he says. And you know why he said that? Because it's true. You want to try a different way to God the Father? Sorry. Sorry. Well, that's not very nice. But it is true. And it is loving. Not telling you the truth is what's not loving. Put on the the belt of truth. Not creeds, but God's Word. And to understand that, what do you need to know? You need to understand His Word. The Christian that ignores God's Word, you're going to get slammed in that spiritual battle. I got news for you. The first thing you have to put on is the belt of truth. And then the breastplate of righteousness. God's word's very clear. You don't have any righteousness of your own. So whose righteousness is it talking about here? The Lord Jesus, his righteousness. And hitting it wonderful, Second Corinthians 5, 21 tells us that we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Because you have been made a new creation, you stand before God holy, perfect, righteous, In the righteousness of Christ. That's why it is so important that we understand the only way to God the Father, the only way that eternal life is yours is through Jesus Christ, the perfect slain Lamb of God who died in your place. So when you stand before God the Father, it is in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. The rightness of God, that's who Christ is. The rightness of God. Not the breastplate of good works, not the breastplate of your deeds or your efforts, because those fiery darts of the devil, you know what they can do with your breastplate of good works and deeds? Right through. To the heart. Oh, there's so much more. That just that one verse really deserves its own hour. Verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the good news of peace. There you go, Gary. There's another gospel. Gary and I've been having a great study on the number of gospels. In the Scripture, there's another, there's another good news. It's the good news of peace. You know what that good news And there's two types of peace the Scripture talks about. And both of them matter. Uh, one you have after you become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the peace of God. Philippians 4 talks about that peace of God that passes all understanding That peace of God that that you have by knowing Christ, knowing that he's in charge, that he's your savior, that he is the one who paid that sin debt that you owed, paid it in full. You have that peace of God that the world can't understand. It stands in amazement. How can you be at peace during these trying, difficult times? It's because you have the peace of God. And that's a promise that we have in this present dispensation of the grace of God that we can claim. Lord, you've promised. We make our requests known unto God, our supplications with thanksgiving. And what does he promise? To give us the peace that passes all understanding. That peace of God is remarkable. But before that peace, there's the peace with God that is absolutely necessary. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified, being declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you notice that it didn't say through any other method? The peace with God makes sure we understand He is the way, the truth, and the life. It makes us understand that there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is only through Jesus Christ. That peace with God in verse 15, with the whole armor of God, you know, Paul, he, he being in prison during this time, uh, being jailed, he, he was able to see these Roman guards, these Roman soldiers. He would see them outfitted. And the Roman soldier had these sandals, a special kind of sandal that they called them hobnail sandals, and they had nails in them so that when the soldier marched into battle, they would be able to stand firm. They had plant their feet, and the opposing enemy that came against them, and by the way, they were really difficult to run in. If you are a Roman soldier, you weren't supposed to run. Oh, by the way, you're a Christian soldier. There's no running. Do you notice that this, uh, this armor really doesn't talk about in the back? did doesn't talk about anything in the back. It's because we don't run. We don't turn our back on the enemy. Anymore. We don't need it back there. But your, your feet shod. The word preparation there means readiness. It kind of conjures up the idea of readiness for battle readiness for war, readiness to fight, that good fight of faith. Your feet shod with the readiness of the good news of peace. You, are, you have peace with God. That issue has been settled. It, Regardless of what happens in your life, regardless of what comes against us, regardless of what takes place, we have peace with God. In the huge scheme of things, you tell me what matters more, and I'll tell you there is nothing that matters more than having peace with God. That heaven is your home, eternal life is yours. You are a member of the body of Christ. You have been placed there by a God who loves you where he wants you to serve, to function. And it's this body that Christ Jesus, who is the head, is going to present to himself a glorious church, not having spot, not having wrinkle, all eternity to worship him. That's pretty good. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the gospel of peace. But verse 16 says, above all. It's going to make sure it tells us which of these pieces of armor is absolutely necessary. Above all, taking the shield of faith. And folks, we know from God's word that without faith it is impossible to please God. That's what glorifies God. That's what brings him gladness. That's one of the reasons why we want to make sure that you understand it's not your works of righteousness. It's what Titus 3:5 says, not by works of righteousness that we've done, but by his mercy he saves us. It, it's, it's you demonstrating faith and trusting in the Lord Jesus and what He accomplished on Calvary's cross is what honors God, is what glorifies Him. It's not doing things trying to help Him in His effort to save you. That's already been accomplished thanks to Calvary. What honors God is when you come and say, Lord, I believe. By faith, I trust in what Christ did for me. It's not, let me help you by doing this, this, or whatever. Lord, let me help you keep me saved. There's nothing you can do to keep you saved. Fortunately, the Holy Spirit has already sealed you into that body of Christ until the day of redemption. And there is nothing you can do to work yourself out of the last atom. Isn't that an amazing plan of salvation? That should cause you to be joyful and excited and appreciative about that salvation and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the Bible. I had a lot of other scripture verses that go along with that. Write down Genesis 15, Because it's God tells Abraham, I'm going to be your shield. Proverbs 30. Verse 5. We will look at that one real quick, Tim. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Somebody ought to put that verse in the bowl out there and we'll use it. He is a shield. We can trust him. The shield of faith. It is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. All that the devil throws at you. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God a helmet of salvation. Isn't it interesting that over your heart is the breastplate of righteousness, and that's God's righteousness. Something that I've never quite understood, and it's always sort of wrinkled me just a little bit. And I've heard people, maybe you've even heard people say, Because I think they make too much of this. They'll say, well, he has a head knowledge, but he doesn't really have a heart knowledge. What is that? From this scripture, the helmet of salvation, where does that helmet go? It goes over your head. Your salvation is not based on feelings, not based on emotions. It's based on knowing the Word of God, trusting the Word of God, simply and purely folks there are days i wake up and i don't feel saved that's your preacher talking but because of the word of god i know i don't have to get saved again that's happened because god's word tells me i know that i'm saved 2 Timothy 1.12 says, I know whom I've believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. 1 John 5.13 tells us that we know that we, these things have I written unto you that you might know that you have eternal life. Not feel like you do, not have all those sweet emotions. And, and they are sweet emotions. I mean, we, we love God. We love His Word. We love to praise Him. We love to get excited. That feeling, uh, you, you look out here sometimes, and, and some of you are crying, you're weeping. And I wonder is it that good or that bad? I don't know. But my salvation is not based on how I feel. That helmet of salvation protects my head, that held my brain where I study the Scriptures. I know what God's Word says. So I know that I am complete in Christ, nothing lacking. The all-sufficiency, it's that breastplate of His righteousness that covers my heart. Man, that's protected. That's safe. I don't have to think with my heart. But I do think with my head. And boy, the armor of God is that helmet. And the sword of the Spirit. Got some good news and some better news. The good news is that's the one offensive weapon. The better news is in two weeks, Gary Vineyard's going to be preaching about the sword of the Spirit and all of its ramifications. So you have that to look forward to because he, I've, I'm leaving that because he, folks, he's got it down. And I want Gary to preach that portion of the Armor of God and how you use it and wield it and exactly what it is. This brother is going to preach. We'll be here. I'm not going to miss it. But he's going to be preaching it. So I'm going to leave that to Gary. But next week we're going to be looking at verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Folks, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Amen? I have a bad feeling about something. Can I just share that with you real quick? Oh, This is only going to take a second. I don't know why, and I was going to mention this earlier, I don't know why all of a sudden on my social media and different things that I'm reading and hearing about is just overwhelming support and and encouraging something called artificial intelligence. And when we talk about putting all the whole armor of God and what we're going to be battling and what we're going to be up against... I think that is slithering its way into so much of what we're going to be hearing about here in the not-too-distant not future. Um, Revelation 13, uh, 15. Tim, Revelation 13, 15. I think the Scripture tells us these last days, we are not because we're going to be raptured out. Boy, there's a reason why all this AI nonsense is coming up. And he had the power to give life unto the image of the beast, and the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. During the tribulation, that's going to happen. Well, the image of the beast, I think that's describing this phenomena called artificial intelligence, AI, and it is becoming more and more controlling. Now, actually, I was going to work that into another part of the sermon where it made sense, but I didn't want to pass this up. This week, I ran an experiment, thanks to Charles Calkins. I get so much good stuff from Charles that makes you think. But he told me about a new AI operation, a new AI procedure uh, on Bing or something. And he said, you try it. And I tried it in the same fashion he did, and I I even... uh, even have pictures of it, but I'm not going to do today. I'll just tell you about it. I asked this AI to tell me a joke about Christians. And the joke that it told me, the guy comes on and says, well, you ask about a joke about Christians. Well, why did the Christian cross the road? And that came out, and it was to get to the other church. And I went, what? Then I, well, I mean, that's, that's it's not much of a joke, but I guess AI, just not very funny. I then said, tell me a joke about Muslims. Oh, I am so sorry we cannot I cannot give you a joke that offends anyone we are a program I forgot all how what he said but it was a long paragraph telling me and then I said why can you tell me a joke about Christians but you can't tell me about uh, Muslims And it came back on and said, basically, look, I told you a joke about Christians, and I told you a joke about tomatoes. And I went, I didn't ask you about a joke about tomatoes. But it says, I cannot tell you a joke because we are not programmed to be offensive to any group. Now, I don't know where the tomatoes fit in. Folks, AI still has a long way to go. But I want you to understand, we are in a spiritual warfare. The church had better wake up. The church had better be understanding the necessity of putting on the whole armor of God, Christians, because we are marching into battle and we need to be prepared. See, I'm not afraid of that battle. My more I'm more concerned about those who do not know the Lord. They're marching in to the fray, not realizing it's a battle. They're blind. They have no spiritual weapons. They have no idea what they're being sucked into. They're as lost as they can be. There's no hope except for the Lord Jesus. So we need to be praying for our family, our friends. Our loved ones who do not know the Lord, we need to be faithfully telling them that old, old story of Jesus and his love. Amen. Amen. And if you don't know that this morning, know this God loves you. Christ died for you. He paid the debt that you owed in order that you could have complete and total forgiveness of your sins by believing the gospel of Christ. The good news that he died for your sins was buried and rose again. Let's stand and be dismissed this morning. Father, we just come before you this morning and how we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for that salvation that we have in Christ. We thank you for that life eternal that's ours through him. Father, I thank you for each family who's here today. Father, I pray your blessings on their home, on their lives. Father, keep them safe. Remind us that we're marching in, into the mission field. Father, help us to be bold. Help us to stand for the truth of your word. And I pray, Father, if there's anyone here that's never by faith trusted Christ, that they will not leave this building without believing that Christ died for them. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.